The following audio is via a Skype call. So tell me you love me. Please, 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 please. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh, tell me, tell me. GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. TGIF. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. This is Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And thanks for sticking around. Thanks in advance. And thank you, Benny Mathers, for being there at the board for us once again. It's my honor. As always, again and 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 again. Okay, I just wanted to add a side note. If any of you watched Thursday Night Football, oh my goodness, there was a football game going on until there were eight seconds left in the contest, and then some kind of World Wrestling Federation style, my gosh, and Donny Brook broke out. It was incredible. So that player just recently, it has been announced he's been suspended indefinitely by the league. And that's correct. And I, I forget his name to tell you. I don't I forget what he Garrett. did. Garrett. Yeah. Miles Garrett. When you rip off somebody's helmet and then hit him over the head with it. They <laughs> frown on that, even in the NFL. So, yeah, Miles Garrett and then Mason Rudolph was the receiving quarterback right. of the Steelers. And basically, Miles Garrett, uh, there was a big squabble near the end of the game. And uh, I believe Mason's helmet came off, and then Miles took it and tried to club him with it. Yes. So and and That's connected, correct. got him in the head. So with that, he is uh, it was suspended incredible. so far. Yeah, indefinitely. And the Steelers player Pouncey there, who was mm-hmm. kicking uh, an opposing yeah. player on the ground there, he got a three-game suspension. It's uncalled so for. The, the complexion of these teams will look different for the next little while. Yeah. And and both teams were fined a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But so the the, the lesson is play nice. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Love one another. I'm surprised to be honest, I'm surprised he wasn't arrested last night. You know, if it happened off the gridiron out yeah. in society outside a bar or restaurant or yeah. hotel what have you, he would have been most, there would have been multiple arrests. Well, most places, uh, what is it? Is it uh, the Jets, the facility? Don't they have um, a jail cell, I believe, in the bottom of their – I've heard that rumor. I don't know if it's legit, but they have a jail cell there on, on site. I think most stadiums have one, but I could be wrong. Yes. If you have a stadium that's built at the cost of over a billion dollars, right. you'd think they would make a little space <laughs> right. for miscreants. Yeah. I'd never want to visit myself, but at least there's the chance. <laughs> That's right. That's the theory. Right. Well, thank you, Benny. Delighted to have you with us, of course. Pleasure. Today, instead of swinging helmets and kicking people, we're going to talk about peaceful transformation mm. within the individual and the good that can do the world. Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. is our guest today. Sixth time, I believe. This is his sixth time. The first time he was with us was in 2013. And we have a little section on our bookshelf for Miguel Ruiz Jr.'s books, which uh, we are having a a small collection of. So we are very happy to have him with us for the sixth time. And Gary, why don't you do the mad props today? I will do so. Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. is a Nagual, a Toltec Master of Transformation. 
He is a direct descendant of the Toltecs of the Eagle Knight lineage and the son of Don Miguel Ruiz. By combining the wisdom of his family's traditions with the knowledge gained from his own personal journey, he now helps others realize their own path to personal freedom. He is the author of The Five Levels of Attachment, Living a Life of Awareness, The Mastery of Self, and Don Miguel Ruiz's Little Book of Wisdom. And of course, when we get to the marketing piece, after our one and only break this hour, we will let you know how you can get up close and personal with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., whom we welcome for the sixth time to Manson Mitchell. Miguel, welcome. Good morning, Mary. How are you doing? We're doing well here. How are you doing out there? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm here in Reno, Nevada, enjoying the morning. It's the, it's the week before the cold really starts kicking in, so I'm enjoying it. And, you know, I'm just realizing that every time I talk to you, that, that list of books gets getting longer and longer. So <laughs> thank you so it, much for giving me the is? opportunity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Book list getting longer for sure. And, and we are proud recipients of those books and keep them on our bookshelves for our next visit with you. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the art of love. You're going to be in Seattle next week and yeah. talking about the art of love. And we thought uh, we're not going to spill all the beans here, but we thought we would give people a little bit of a a taste, a little appetizer of what they can expect to hear next week and talk a little bit about relationships today. Does that suit yeah. you? That sounds fine. All right. That's beautiful. I'd like to start way back in the way back when for you, Miguel, because <laughs> you have described yourself as a border town boy. And now yeah. in the mad props we gave you, he now, well, he's, it says here, by combining the wisdom of his family's traditions with the knowledge gained from his own personal journey, he now helps others realize their own path to personal freedom. You grew up in a border town, I believe in California, starting there and with the father that we know you have providing tremendous wisdom. How did that path to personal freedom begin for you? Well, you can say that. For me, it started with my grandmother. You know, growing up, she was the spiritual head of the family. And even though she passed away uh, 11 years ago, she's still the spiritual head of the family. You know, she, she, she lived to be 98 years old, and her love was tremendous. Her passion, you know, something that we, we all share. And so you can say it was her who decided to share the tradition with the family. So right off the bat, you know, growing up, my father, you know, I remember my father being... Dr. Miguel Ruiz, not Don Miguel Ruiz, Dr. Miguel Ruiz. So I, I, I grew up with juxtapositions in my life, uh, with spirituality for my grandmother and Western medicine for my father, and spirituality at home and academia at school with the International Baccalaureate. That's, I was a student of that. And then to top it all off, I, I, I lived in San Diego, California, and I was one of those rare cases that I crossed the border into Tijuana, to go to school in Tijuana, and I was re I was educated by a different education system in a totally different culture, and I have an accent where, when I went to Tijuana, people thought that I wasn't local because my accent was you know different from theirs. Then I came to San Diego, and they thought I wasn't local because my accent was different than theirs. So I had an accent that is the result of two communities that each community doesn't recognize, yet 
here I am. So with that path to personal freedom, it starts by the willingness to understand two different points of view. You know, you can say with my grandmother, with her faith healing and spirituality, you can say that I, I grew up with a homeopathic beliefs and ideas and concepts that I, I, was, that I was able to help. Then my father and my uncle, you know, my, my father is not the only doctor in the family. My uncle, Carlos, is a neurosurgeon. My uncle, Luis, he's an he's a oncologist. And my aunts are psychiatrists and dentists and all these kind of things. So you have Western medicine and science and spirituality. And my father merges the, the two and creates the four agreements, which is basically the bridge between the two. So it started by listening to different points of view, to being able to function in Tijuana, function in San Diego, function within the spiritual family that surrounded me, functional in academia and in that kind of world. And then you bridge them all together. So in regards to my spiritual awakening, it started by learning how to listen. And to me, that's the, fun, the foundation of where, I, where I've uh, come from in my tradition. And unfortunately, it took me a while to really learn how to listen. You know, I would, if it was someone else's turn to talk, I would be thinking of what I'm going to say. But little by little, I, I stopped doing, giving my attention to that internal dialogue that happens when someone else is talking. And little by little, I learned to listen and hear from their point of view. And just like I grew up in different communities and different ideas, what a man's supposed to be or what uh, your culture is supposed to be and all that kind of thing, I learned that everyone is saying the same thing, but in a different way. And if you were able to listen to that, you'll find yourself reflected in everything. Miguel, I'm, I'm finding it so interesting that so many people in your family were practicing Western medicine, and you call your grandmother the spiritual head. I was trying to, in listening to what it is that you said, I, I was curious with her getting that designation of the spiritual head of the family, what the, what the reason for that was. And at first, I thought it was perhaps that she was a very loving person. And then you mentioned faith healing. And then, then the Toltec tradition. And then you talked about listening in a particular way. So was it all of that that had to do with your awakening? Or was there some entry point through one of those things that was provided by your grandmother? Well, you can say it, it was my grandmother through all of that. You know, at the, my grandmother would refer some of her patients to my uncles, and my uncles, in turn, would refer some of their patients to my grandmother. You know, you can say that they had, they they found different paths to healing, and they shared it. So you can say that I learned that the full spectrum towards healing, you have all these choices. If you only say one way is the only way, or the other way is the only way, then you're narrowing your perception to what's out there and what humanity has created. So you can, from that point of view, that entryway of that you talked about is love. I love my grandmother, and my grandmother had this beautiful relationship with Western medicine as well as uh, home, homeopathic and faith healing. You know, she actually one of her special 
her favorite lecture was to a panel of doctors at UCSD, which is the University of California, San Diego, where she shared her tradition with them. And they learned from that. And then years later, a uh, year before her passing, she was inducted into the San Diego Women's Hall of Fame for continuing that tradition. So you can say she was the spiritual head of the family. because One, she is a spiritual person. She was not only a devout Catholic, but she was a very devout uh, person with life, you know, you can say, with our tradition. And keeping that traditional life, she merged those two worlds and continued it. But in her love, in her passion, many people followed her. You know, when people say that I'm following in my father's footsteps, I have to correct them because both my father, myself, and my brother, Jose Luis, Don Jose, all three of us are continuing with my grandmother started, which is the desire to share the tradition with everyone for the purpose of healing. So you can say that the key thing that I do for work, or you can say my enlightened path, or my, my uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, my purpose is to help people heal from the wounds that conditional love left in their hearts. I'm not a doctor, so I, can't, I don't heal physical ailments and things like that, but I've learned enough from both sides to learn how to let go of the wounds that continue to hurt us and to give ourselves the permission to heal it. And right there, with that phrase, I believe that's exactly what my grandmother shared and taught me. The willingness to heal comes by the permission we give ourselves of that. Faith healing, you can say, there's a, a certain amount of placebo effect that comes into it where we heal ourselves. We give ourselves through that little uh, prayer, that little meditation that allows us to heal. And then there's the Western medicine that goes in there and takes care of that which placebo can't heal. You go in with the physical part. So both aspects make a whole. So for me, that was the entry point, the willingness to listen, but it's also the willingness to engage. And my grandmother chose to engage, and we continue to do that. And and now now we're at this, all these years later, you're going to be taking your relationships to the next level in the art of love. And so, mm -hmm. so that also is some of the fruit which is born out of your relationship with your grandmother all those years ago, that there are mm -hmm. things that you have learned that you are passing on through your own experience and your own uh, teachings that you received about how to love. I interesting in the information that we got, it, it says that there's seven focal points to make deeper and meaningful connections. And I was reading those and I thought, well, we're not going to discuss all seven because you have to go to the evening to find out what all seven were. But but right now, it, the first one was commitment. And uh, there's a couple of the of the seven that I was really focusing on. And I wanted you to say a little bit about commitment because people are going to need to make a commitment to go see you next week. So <laughs> Thank you talk so about that a minute. Well, sure. In the seven secrets to happy, healthy relationships, that's the book my 
dear friend Heather Ash and I wrote together and is the basis for next week's workshop. We're also mixing in The Mastery of Love, which is a book created by my, written by my father. The, the art of commitment, or you can say the secret to commitment, or the focal point, whichever word we want to use, is that I am the constant in every relationship that I am in. You can say that every person in my life comes and goes, but the constant in my life is me. So I can't give what I do not have. So we can say that the first three secrets are the, the, are the foundational, which is commitment, freedom, and awareness. And the reason we start with commitment is that, is that desire to give ourselves the permission to heal, the commitment to ourselves, to love ourselves, to follow through. Like a, a teacher once taught me this beautiful lesson. The key to enlightenment is effort. That's what she said, and it was beautiful. It's perfect. To me, what that means is that effort is the energy we use to animate this body, to animate this mind, to create a thought, to manifest something, to create, to move, to live. From there, discipline is remembering to apply that effort every day. So forget about that sergeant, that drill sergeant in the head. It's about that desire to put it into practice. And success is following through. So for me, that commitment to myself is realizing that I am worth the effort to heal, that I am worth the effort to engage, that I'm worth the effort to love myself. And that's where the commitment really comes in. I make a commitment to love myself, to accept myself. And from that experience, I share that with the people I love from family to friends to beloved to to the people I engage in a restaurant or the people I engage in life. I cannot give what I do not have. If I have conditional love in my heart and in my mind, that's all I have to give. But if I make the commitment to heal that relationship within me, if I'm the one that's talking inside my own mind, who's listening? I am. If I'm the one who's listening, who's talking inside my own mind, well, I am. And that's where you can say the relationship between my mind and my heart, or my relationship between left hemisphere and right hemisphere of my brain, whichever it is. But that internal dialogue, that, that, that narrator and that listener, which is both me, if that relationship is in harmony, then all my relationships become the constant opportunity for harmony, for unconditional love, if you will. So from that, the commitment to myself, to heal myself, to be aware of myself, to love myself, is what gives power to everyone else. And it gives me power to, within me to share that. So you can say that the next one would be freedom. Is In a commitment with myself, I respect my own yes and my own no, that my no, no is just as powerful as my yes, to respect my free will, to respect my choices and respect myself to experience the consequences of those choices. That gives me freedom to be me. And when I have that freedom for myself, I can share that freedom with my beloved. My my wife is only with me because she wants to be with me. At any given moment, she can change that yes into a no. And she's saying yes to me at the same time as I'm saying yes to her. And that's what makes our relationship. That's what creates our relationship. When you Miguel, love someone, you set them free, which means 
to respect their will. Yes. Sorry. I um I really like what you were saying about loving yourself and healing yourself because I've I've had this conversation before with a a very dear friend where we talk about relationships and I believe right now, I, I may be wrong, but I believe right now about half the population of the United States is single and the other half is partnered or married. And so when when single people feel like they need to be partnered and what can they do to heal themselves and love themselves so that they can find somebody to be with. But what I said to my friend was, it doesn't actually matter if you are in a relationship or not, because if you're single, you're definitely in a relationship with yourself. And yes. if you if you have someone else in your life, then the the uh, experience is different, but in both cases, you are committed to a relationship. And if you're partnered with somebody else, your commitment is both to yourself and to your partner. But no matter what, you're you're always going to be in a relationship with somebody. And and do yeah. you see it the same way? Yeah, well, I'm 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 a constant in all my relationships. Even if I live isolated in a hill or by myself in a, a secluded in a place, I'm still in relationship with within me physically, but also in relationship with my environment and I'm engaging the seasons, I'm engaging my home, I'm engaging something. The difference is that when I'm interacting with other people, I'm interacting with someone who has free, free will and their own point of view. And to find that bridge that allows us to find a common place, find an understanding, that's, you know, that's the beautiful dance that a relationship is. You know, to be single is a beautiful thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a... We're constantly alone, and we were born alone, we live alone, and we die alone. And what I mean by that is there's nobody else living inside my own mind or my own body but me. This is me. I live in this body. I live in this mind. This is me. I usually can tell people that, you know, the telltale sign that your relationship with yourself is in disharmony is that when you're by yourself and you don't feel comfortable being by yourself, then that, that's when there's something off. That you're only comfortable with there's someone else around. But you, if you do the work and allows you to heal that, then when you're by yourself, that you're not in solitude because you're with someone who you enjoy being, which is yourself. You know, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to be in a relationship because somewhere along the line, someone taught us that we're nobody if we don't have someone to love us, like the James Dean song. You're nobody till somebody loves you. You're nobody till somebody cares. And I, did I just say James Dean? I think I'm, I'm Dean Martin. Sorry. Dean we Martin know song. we know that you meant Dean Martin. Yeah, no, I said I said that's a Dean Martin, and I started thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, that's two totally different things. But going back to the point is that uh, if we believe that song or Patsy Cline. Yeah, uh, or any of those sad songs we grew up with, they're saying that we're only whole when someone loves us back, then of course we're 
going to be miserable being single because we believe that the only way to find love is to be loved by someone, even if that relationship is toxic, even that relationship brings harm into my life. So you can say that one of the very first things we begin to heal is that it's okay to be single. It's okay not to be in a relationship. It's okay not to waste our time with someone who doesn't want to be with us. We enjoy being time with someone who does, and it starts within ourselves to enjoy being with ourselves. And when we get to that point where we're that happy, then that attracts other people. That's, that's the irony on that one. It's, it, we, we, we become someone, we become compatible to someone with that vibration. You can say that, that resonates with that sense of security. And at that point, you know, if we lose someone, like we break up, instead of worrying about, I'm never going to be loved again, we, we spend time being grateful. Well, that was a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Like, <laughs> like Papa Smurf told Randy, it's better to have loved than to never have loved at all. And that one came from when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Smurfs also are known for saying, it's better off in this life if you're not blue. <laughs> that's, that's mercy. <laughs> that's right. In your your evening next week, November twenty two, on the Art of Love, that's both for people in a relationship and for people who are in a relationship with themselves. Would that be yeah. fair? That's very fair. It's, it's for everyone because we're not just in a relationship in a romantic one. We're in a relationship with our family. We're in a relationship with our friends. In relationship with our coworkers, we're constantly uh, engaging. That's the thing about these uh, seven secrets. It's not just about relationships that are rom- about romance, although it will help, of course. But it's about relationships with our family, with our friends, with our children, with with the people in our lives. But it starts within ourselves. Going back to that first secret of commitment, realizing that I am the constant. I can't give what I do not have. And that leads us to that third one, which is awareness. The awareness of being alive, of being here, and knowing that I'm in communion with everyone. I'm in relationship with everyone in different formats, in different ways. Even that, even relationships are in this harmony, just like right before we started talking about that relationship between the Steelers and the Browns last night and, you know, a quarterback getting hit that way. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, some relationships are that contagious and that will be uh, contentious, sorry, and that will be there for as long as that wound is there to separate them. And once they decide to heal it, they will heal it. But will that sell tickets? I don't know. <laughs> we are at a point where we can take a break. This is a natural place to take a break. And when we come back, Of course, we want to have you let people know where they can contact you online, more about the books, whatever it is you wish to say, and your upcoming appearance in Seattle. That is important information. Give us a couple of minutes. We are Manson Mitchell. We are talking with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. He has important things to say, and we're delighted to have him with us. You're tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. We'll be right back. 
preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. The holiday gift-giving season soon will be right around the corner. It's not too early to fuel the open road dreams of special people in your life with a subscription to American Road Magazine. With exciting features, quality writing, and beautiful photography in every issue, American Road makes a perfect gift for road-tripping moms and dads, gallivanting grandparents, adventurous aunts and uncles. Maybe that special friend will enjoy it too. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com. That's AmericanRoadMagazine.com. Click subscribe, and for a limited time, you can enter the code KKNW to receive 25% off your subscription. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. to talk about the art of love and the Toltec messages of freedom and personal power. On Saturday, the dream doctor herself, Kelly Sullivan Walden, returns to explore the role of mysticism in dreams. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Miguel Ruiz Jr. Miguel, please tell people what your website is, uh, about your books, and also about your being in Seattle November 22, where you're going to be and how they can see you in person. Sure. Well, I'm going to be at the Center for Spiritual Living. They have a new facility. They moved from the, the, the east end of town over to near Green Lake, from what I saw. So that's going to be an awesome experience. My dear friend Heather Ash Amara and I will be presenting um, the combination of the, our book, The Seven Secrets to Happy, Healthy Relationship, with the, my father's book, The Mastery of Love. And together we're going to create this workshop of talking about exactly love. And if you can find me, uh, my, as well as my father, on miguelruiz.com, that's our website, that's our home base, and I have my own little, small little website called miguelruizjr.com, miguelruizjr, and, of course, social media and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's uh, that evening, which is uh, a week from tonight, it'll be my last uh, presentation of the year, so for me, that's, you know, that's, uh, the whole year ends there for me, but it's uh, it's always fun to interact with my dear friend Heather Ashmore. So the beautiful thing about the book, The Seven Secrets of Happy Healthy Relationships, is that it's written in one voice. It's not in a he said, she said. It's a one voice that is both hers and I is merged together and it goes from beyond unisex. It, it, it talks about 
from a man's point of view, a woman's point of view, uh, a gay point of view, a lesbian point of view, an individual point of view, and it 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 it, it, it molds itself to adapt to different voices, to different people, but it's still one voice. And that was the beautiful thing is the ability to create a whole new voice, which is what a relationship tends to happen. It tends to create. It uh, creates a whole new culture. And, you know, there's the individual that is I, who teaches in my own unique way. There's the individual that is Heather Ashamara that teaches her own unique way. And when we come together, and we, we are very grateful to our publisher, Randy Davila, who did the Herculean task of merging the two voices and to create one and from that point of view it makes the book relatable to a lot of people that go through their lives you know finding those triggers that gets us away from the relationship we want and finding a way to heal those triggers that allows us to enjoy what we have and usually it's healing our past it's healing all these wounds that get in the way of the intimacy we have with the people we love and opening up you know that's that's the beautiful thing about healing is that it allows us to open up to enjoy life to enjoy our relationship and to open up those channels of communication well said. The Seven Secrets to a Happy Relationship. I'm sure that and your other books are available at uh, Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. And there are many nice places in Seattle to do that. You also have um, several other books that you have written. The Five Levels of Attachment, Living a Life of Awareness, The Mastery of Self, and The Little Book of Wisdom. So there are a number of things that people can pick up, and uh, I encourage them to do that. I also want to encourage people to go to Center for Spiritual Living next week. One of our listeners named Timothy, who is a, a fan of our show, wrote on Facebook about Miguel Ruiz Jr. I have met him. He and his father have serious emanating light energy more than anyone I have known. And I thought that was just a, a wonderful comment. And I wanted to pass that along to you. If people would uh, like to be in some wonderful emanating light energy, they want to do that November 22 at Center for Spiritual Living. Thank you. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you so much for your kind words. I'd like to talk to you, Miguel, about the virtue and the quality of joy. When you find yourself encountering people who have serious issues, and you can just about throw a rock out your window and hit somebody <laughs> who matches that description, how do you become a joy generator in your community, in your life, in your work? And what sort of feedback do you get from people who make an honest attempt to spread joy in the world in hopes that if they act that way outwardly, they might attract joy to themselves? Or is it all an inside job at first? Well, first, it is a, all an inside job. You can't give what you do not have. You know? it, we have a choice. We can either use our voice to continue the cycle of imposing and subjugation, which is conditional love, or we can begin to end that cycle with us. And 
hate and anger, they're, you know, they're just as contagious as love and joy. So for me, what I've learned to how to express joy, you know, like we were saying, or, or like I was saying earlier, we were talking before, it starts with that healing within ourselves, you know, because we, we close off when we have hurt, when we have pain, when we have anger, you know. Um, my, my son's doctor would say that anger is just uh, the expression of not feeling good. You just don't feel good, you know. You know, we, we get angry when we're hungry. We get angry when we're sleep-deprived. We get angry if we haven't had our caffeine, whatever. Or we, or we feel angry when the anxiety comes in or a, a belief that goes counter to our beliefs comes in. It's uncomfortable. It's, that's what anger is. It's just, it's just the expression of being uncomfortable in our body, in our mind, or something. So that closes us off. It closes our our intimacy with people or, or, or opening up because either from because we are afraid to get hurt again or we are afraid to look weak in someone else's eyes, especially our own. But when you begin to heal those things that close you off, you slowly open up, you know, like in, in the in this book, when my dear friend Heather Ash Amara asked me to work with her, I just finished uh, a journey within myself with my first love. And she and I, our love from when we were in high school together, you know, you can say that my first love is, if not one of the most impactful things. And my grandmother taught me about faith and love and spirituality. My first girlfriend taught me about love. And when you're that young, you hurt each other, you know, because you don't know what you're doing. And that wound, you know, began to infect all my relationships after that. And it got worse and worse and worse until I fell in love again with someone I loved very much. But I had so much emotional poison and so many wounds that it contaminated our relationship. We were having fights and arguments that had nothing to do with us. But it was the arguments I had before and even arguments my father and mother had. So at one point I had a relationship where I could not project. It ended because it was all me, and I owned it for the first time in my life. I owned what I did, and I began to actually do the work. You can say that's when I really started applying everything I've learned. Going back to the first question in this conversation, I really didn't start applying any of this until I was 27. You know, I was I, I did grow up in it. I, I was my apprentice with my grandmother at the age of 14, but it was when I was 27 when I really decided to actually apply it. And, it's, and I applied because I was hurting. I was hurting. I, I, I was in mourning because I was, I, was sad. I was in pain because my father had a heart attack. But I was mourning because I loved someone I loved very much, someone I really wanted to be my wife. And my own insecurity, my own wounds got in the way. So I took time. I began to process. And after a year of healing, I felt a lot better. Joy came back into my life. And I was around this time when I met my wife, uh, Susan, and we fell in love right off the bat. And luckily, I've done the work. So when life gave me the chance to have that relationship, I have done the work, and I had something to to give and, I, and to enjoy. And it taught me that we don't heal in, a, in, in my schedule. I heal with my permission 
and that permission allows me to give myself time to heal, not in a schedule, but in whatever time it takes for my body and my mind to heal. And little by little, I began to apply that with my wife. And then social media gave me the chance to reconnect with my first love. And, you know, like two porcupines, you know, who love each other, you know, we, we tried our best to be friends. And we every time we would be friends, we only knew that relationship. So we went back to that and we hurt each other again. Until we stopped hooking up, of course, and we tried to be friends again, and we still hurt each other. So this time, we did it differently. We, we got together as friends. We, I met her husband. She met my wife. Our kids hit it off. And then, as time progressed, we know we, we got comfortable. One day, after a couple of years of being friends, we had the opportunity to talk about the past for the very first time. And it was my moment to apologize. Not the apology of an ex-boyfriend who wants to hook up again. I apologize to someone who's seen the impact of my choices, of what I did. I saw it from her point of view. I saw her as a human being. And I apologize. It's, it's, it's the moment I realized the difference between guilt and remorse. Guilt is punishing yourself over and over again for what you did. But you're punishing yourself for something you wanted to do. And if life gave you the chance to do it again, you would still do it again. Remorse, on the other hand, is the moment where you see the impact of what you did, the ripples that come from that, and you see it from the other person's point of view, and you see the pain. And you own it. You own the, the action. So if life gave you the chance to do it again, you wouldn't not because you got caught, whatever, it's because you wouldn't want to inflict that pain again. So if life gave you the chance to do it again, you wouldn't. And that's what remorse is. So that, from that point of view, I apologize. I didn't ask for forgiveness. I apologize. And I owned what I did. And I saw it from her point of view. As you can say, it was the first time I listened to her. And she felt hurt. And the most remarkable thing happened. She began to own up her side of the things. She opened up. We both opened up at the same time. We felt comfortable. And the 18-year-old in me became very jubilant when she said for the very first time in over 22 or 23 years how much she loved me. And I said how much I loved her. We forgave each other. And that brought joy. But the beautiful thing about that is that we healed. Both of us gave each other the space to heal our relationship. Mind you, the key to being friends with your ex is that you don't want to go back. You don't want to go back. But there is that bond between someone you love very much. In this case, my first love. But the other person who healed and benefited from that healing was her husband and my wife. Because my wife no longer has to deal with the emotional poison that that wound created or secreted. It's healed. And it's no longer contaminating my presence. That's what joy does. It allows us to open up. It's the soul of intimacy, you can say, that allows us to be together. Because my wife 
my wife is not my best friend. My wife is my wife. And what I mean by that, the level of intimacy between she and I goes beyond what a best friend and I have. She, out of 7.5 billion people in the world, she is my lovey. And I open up to her as she opens up with me. And that's where trust comes in. Trust, love blossoms where trust exists. But in order to get there, it's an inside job, like we were saying. It starts with that decision to heal. Joy. Joy is the expression of someone who has healed and is enjoying life once again. Thank you for sharing that, Miguel. I, I was listening to every word you said, and I was getting goosebumps about that because in, in Western thinking, a lot of our adult relationships are based on the, parent, the relationships we had with our parents, and many of those needed healing and never got it, and we just transport uh, transpose our feelings onto our mates and mm-hmm. so when you're when you're talking about going back to heal earlier relationships in order to make your current relationships the best that they can be and you're not even doing it in order to it's just a natural blooming or blossoming of of yourself when when you are healed, that that joy is there. I'm just so glad you shared that story. That was absolutely wonderful. And what a great example for people to heal those relationships so that you can go forward with the joy that you want to have in life. And the thing is that, that's key, that, and this is another lesson that I learned, is that people heal in their own time. And... You know, just because I felt better doesn't mean that the other person is ready. If she's not ready, it, it's not time. You know, it, 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 I learned that, unfortunately, the hard way. You know, I, I pushed too strong, and I was continuing. I, I hadn't learned my lesson at that point. I was still imposing what I think should be. And that's, that's, that has consequences. And in this case, the door closed. But it taught me that... To respect someone is to respect them. If they're not ready to forgive, it's okay. Let them give them time. Don't push them. It's, it's their time. When life comes, you'll be ready. And it's, it's, it's something that I've learned the hard way in my life. But luckily for me, I learned it in time for other things and other people in my life. It's, we heal with our own permission as well as people heal in the, with their own. And it's not up to you, it's not up to me to dictate them when it's the time for them to heal. It's to them and respecting that, giving space. And I learned that lesson. And, you know, I, I, what life is. And just like a relationship exists for as long as two people say yes to each other, if the past is willing to engage with you in this, great. If the past is not willing to engage, and what I mean by that is the people in our past, if they're not willing, that's fine too. It's 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 sharing that respect, and to me that's very essential. 
because what allowed my first love and I to heal is that she was willing to engage. And it took some time. And, and she asked me, Miguel, what do you get out of this? What are you getting out of this? Because obviously we're not getting back together. I said, obviously not. That's not what I want. But I got back what I really wanted is your trust. I got your trust back. And it was, you are worth the effort of that. And that's the lesson for me. I think it's great to take the long view, Miguel. There was a minister at CSL Seattle where you will be appearing uh, back when it was the other campus. This minister is now retired there. But she said something many years ago that I never forgot. We were discussing why people don't understand. Here it is. We're presenting it. Why don't they just get it? And she just looked at me and said, people get it when they get it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a philosophical way of looking at people's development. We're all on the path in different places and walking at a different pace. Each and everyone has yeah. their own pace. And we will get it when we get it and not before we can get it. Yeah, exactly. Even for me, for example, I grew up in a family with these masters, my grandmother being the first one in my life, and my grandfather as well, Don Luis, my father's father. They were, both of them were a team in spirituality. My grandmother was the strength and all that. And then my father, and then my mama Gaia, and the people in my life. And here I am, I was raised in it, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I was 27 years old when I finally started applying, when the seed finally blossomed. No, you can never under, uh, underestimate the power of, a, of planting a seed, but it's going to blossom when it's ready. And it blossoms the moment you hear it. And in those moments of doubt, in that moment of pain, in that moment of grief, when you realize, I had enough, I want to feel better. That's when that lesson finally is ready. Sometimes it comes blossoms before that. Sometimes you get it right off the bat. Kind of like when, when, how you described it, the moment she that to you, you got it. It blossomed immediately. That, that seed was planted and it blossomed right away. Some of them will take some time. You know, for example, I was 21 years old when the Four Agreements was published. I read it. I was 21 years old. And I only got to the third chapter because it was my dad telling me what to do all over again. At least that was my perception. <laughs> then life happens. The Bible, the bubble bursts. I lost someone I loved very much. And I wanted to feel better and I picked it up again and I read it the way a lot of people have read it. Mm -hmm. An instrument that allows me to heal my relationship with myself. And that's to me that's what the for agreement is. It allows me to clean the channels of communication within me to give scrutiny and be impeccable with my word, which is to not use my word to go against me and to not continue to believe in conditional love. And that's when all of it just snowballed, and here I am, five books later, writing into the sixth one. There you go. The, um, the event, I want to make sure we get this out there, is Friday, November 22. And for more information about 
location, how to get tickets and all of that, go to spiritualliving.org. That's spiritualliving.org for the art of love. And that will be with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. and Heather Ash Amara next Friday night. And Gary and I wish we could be there, Miguel, when we uh, when we read what you're going to be doing over there on that evening. It sounds like an absolutely perfect place to be next Friday night. Yeah. Well, it'll be a wonderful time. You know, everyone's welcome to come and enjoy. Yeah. It'll be you fun. Get- we have just a few minutes left, but I'm curious. You live in Reno, which is a town for which I have a soft spot in my heart. There, I just think that it's lovely. It's Bonanza country, Ponderosa country. Yep, yep. And and yet you have a relatively small but thriving community. People who are strongly individualistic tend to live there or move there. Do you get opportunities in Reno, in Washoe County, Nevada, to teach and preach your message to spread the good news in a public way? Well, once in a while, I, I, I get to speak at the Center for Spiritual Living and at the local bookstore that's here. Uh, I'm trying to remember right now the, 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 the name of the bookstore. But I, those, those two places I go once in a while. To be honest with you, when I'm home, I'm at my real job, which is I'm a father and a husband. My, my son. He's 14 years old. He's in the autism spectrum. My daughter, she's 12, and she's going through <laughs> her preteen years. And I'll tell you, that's been my, when I'm home, they are my priority. I take care of them and my, my wife and I. You know, we work together. It's, it's, we, we have different hats on. You know, like we, I love my wife very much, and we are there for one another, but at the moment, at this at this juncture in our uh, relationship, it's uh, all hands on deck. Our kids, yeah. this is a very pivotal moment in their life, and when I'm in town, it's them. I, I you know, in the morning, we both wake up at 5.20 in the morning to get them ready for school, and wow. uh, in, the evening, in the evening, I become the chauffeur as I take them to their training for cross-country, go to social therapy, music lessons, and and uh, all the stuff that goes with being the parents of a special needs child, or teenager in this case, and a young woman who's doing her best with what she's got, and she's thriving in her own. And they are my real job, uh, writing a book, doing lectures, so that I'm moonlighting at that point. That's my secondary job. And... I run marathons too, so that's my grounding. You know, that's my, that's my meditation. That's my me time. I run to keep me in relationship with myself because it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, Reno is a beautiful place for runners. You know, it's it's, it's got some wonderful country out here. But yes, it's, absolutely it's, it's true. What I do. Thank yeah, you for being with us family. today. For, Marathon uh, meditation. There's a book in your future. Time number it. six. Thank you so much, <laughs> and have a wonderful time in Seattle next weekend. Thank you, Miguel. Thank. Enjoy everything, and God bless, and enjoy everything in life. And thank you once again for the opportunity. Okay. You're quite welcome. Coming up next, uh, Christine Upchurch, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience and American Road Trip Talk with guest host Gary Mance. Ooh, ooh, that'll be fun. I hope this is the start of a great weekend for you all. Stay tuned to AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.